Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, on the line as well. Something new and different. We have an Oscar race checkpoint for you all today. It's yeah. only our 15th or 16th straight one of these in a row, Mike. Uh, yeah, we had to break for an Oscar race checkpoint today. Uh, yeah. There's no avoiding it. I know you guys are ready for all our different programming uh, during this. <laughs> Very diverse. Dur- during this uh, variety season. Like, like we, we do like every year, yeah. Yeah, we like, like we, to really keep you guessing. Of 27 straight ORCs <laughs> just because of the onslaught of news that comes between December and March. But uh, look, we're going to get into some other topics today. We're going to get into James Gunn's DCU to finish the show. And we're, we're going to review some non-Oscary movies to finish the show, show as well. And a knock at the cabin, etc. And then, yeah, we're going to talk about nominations and this whole Andrea Riseborough thing, huh, Mike? Yeah, that's where we're starting off today, and uh, you heard the news a couple days ago if you're tuned into this kind of thing. If you haven't, it's official. Andrea Riseborough is not going to have her nomination rescinded. Uh, at why, Mike? Okay, well, Academy CEO Bill Kramer released a statement regarding Andrea Riseborough's campaign violations outlining, quote, the Academy has determined the activity in question does not rise to the level that the film's nomination should be rescinded, unquote. And then he later says... Quote, however, we did discover social media and outreach campaigning tactics that caused concern. These tactics are being addressed with the responsible parties directly, unquote. Courtney Cox getting a slap on the wrist. Uh, <laughs> hey, Mike, what's your favorite Shakespeare play? It's actually the one you mentioned here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you ruined my joke because I was going to say Mine's I... Taming of the Shrew, but that doesn't fit. So let's say Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's that one. It's that one. I, I had no worry that her nomination was ever going to be rescinded did you no of course not yeah this is what i think this entire investigation has been much ado about nothing i have a feeling getting an acting nomination rescinded by the academy is akin to like losing your bar license to practice law here in the state of connecticut like unless you've actually shot someone and are still (laughs) holding the smoking gun it's going to be nearly impossible for the organization to take it away the the reasons not least of which being that the rules for campaigning are so overly broad and basically completely left up to the board of governor's discretion for what is a violation and what does rise to the level of disqualification all right well hold hold on a second hold on. I, I don't like your tone necessarily because this academy has proven that they will prosecute even the most minor injustices <laughs> to the fullest extent of the new laws that they'll eventually be forced to write months to years right. after they do nothing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To enforce. Mike, Will Smith was banned. Banned. You uh-huh. hear me. Uh-huh. Months later. <laughs> Weeks and months. Not from getting nominated, but from right. attending uh-huh. a show that gave him PTSD that he would never attend anyway again. All right. But look at <laughs> Several years after Oscar So White. Several years after uh-huh. Oscar So White. The, this yeah. Academy cracked down. You yeah. hear me? Cracked down <laughs> by requiring movies to have at least... Not white guys either in the cast 
or on the crew or work or working at the studio if they want a best picture. So look, it's squeak from basketball. I swear to God, you guys rag on me 16 or 17 more times. I'm out of here. Look, I'm not saying that this particular academy has been the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of legislating. Right. Yeah, that's the end of my rant. That's it. (laughs) Period. (laughs) They've not been hard and fast, and they continue that wealthy tradition of not being so here with Andrea Riseborough. There is a nine-page document of campaign rules set out by the Academy yearly. A lot of it is boilerplate. I read through it. The relevant portion for the Riseborough campaign reads as such, quote, it is the Academy's goal to ensure that the awards competition is conducted in a fair and ethical manner. Good job there. Business the Academy, ethics. <laughs> the Academy requires that voting members of the Academy make their choices based solely on the artistic and technical merits of the eligible films and achievements. If any campaign activity is determined by the Board of Governors to work in opposition to that goal, any. whether or not... <laughs> Whether or not anticipated by these regulations, the Board of Governors may take any corrective actions or assess any penalties, including disqualification, mm-hmm. that in its discretion it deems necessary to protect the reputation and integrity of the awards process. Furthermore, any Academy member who has authorized, executed, or otherwise enabled a campaign activity that is determined by the Board of Governors to have undermined the letter or spirit of these regulations the spirit, may be say. subject <laughs> to suspension <laughs> of membership <laughs> or, <laughs> or expulsion from the academy uh, so uh, <laughs> this bad hit me hard man yeah oh, the, uh, the letter the let look they blatantly disregarded the letters well that's what they're saying like it's just so we will be judge jury and executioner of not only what is an infraction but also how many infractions we will allow you to get away with before we do something oh what that's if, basically what, what if they what if they broke all of them like this, the, 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 this particular case, they specifically broke all the rules. Uh, this is this is the truth, people. Uh, but go ahead, please continue. <laughs> well, no, I like so you dive into that a little bit. Exactly how far down the rabbit hole did you go with what was broken by the Riceboro campaign here? All right. Well, let, let me just say this. Uh, I, I'll speak for the academy here. Like you can whip the votes, whip away. You can have all the illegal white cult dinner parties you want. They're illegal. <laughs> you just cannot mention other white actresses that have also endorsed you and that will also be uh, still nominated, but that you think your performance campaign was better than. When you publicly whip the votes on social media, which is also illegal, but we'll, we'll allow it. And if you ever, <laughs> and I mean it, Michael, ever pay us two thousand dollars a piece for more than one email blast in a week again (laughs) if you ever put us in the position that we as the academy i'm speaking for the academy right now that's who i am i'm the academy right if you ever put us in the position that we have to knowingly break our own rules of the one email blast rule per week (laughs) thing again because we cannot simply say no and resist your subsequent four thousand dollars if you ever do that to us again we will not rescind your nomination (laughs) I'm, I'm done that's it that's it that's it that's the consequence some actions don't have consequences <laughs> they broke all the rules mike every single minor rule they broke them all now 
I'm not saying that this hasn't been done before. And hell, Feinberg and Davis, they wrote how many articles about right. how so many times campaigns have broken all these rules. These are more guidelines than rules. That's why the spirit comment, God, that killed me. Because the spirit, the letter or the... Well, they broke the right. letter. So wouldn't that also be they broke the spirit of the law as well? <laughs> they broke the letter and they crushed the spirit of the law. <laughs> yeah. it, it is. Look, I mean, we're having fun with it because it is... A bit hypocritical to, to be nice about the way they handle these things, Just but a bit. it does lay out in their laws. Basically, it's overly broad for that reason. They want to be able to take these things on a case by case basis and say that, look, even though Andrea Riseborough did break these six or seven rules, <laughs> nah, who cares? <laughs> it's basically. They don't have any rules, essentially, is what yeah. they're saying by this. You broke all our rules but we're not going to enforce any of our rules. So they're really not rules. As far as uh, Bill Kramer, he did release an official statement. You read part of it, but uh, he, he did address that they're going to try to fine tune and clarify and define some of the overly broad language as to what is and isn't legal from a campaign aspect. This quote, given this review, it is apparent that the components of the regulations must be clarified to help create a better framework for respectful, inclusive and unbiased campaigning. These changes will be made after this award cycle and will be shared with our membership. I, I kind of resent the idea that the Academy doesn't, like they're they're putting out this front that oh these Oscars aren't political every Oscars is political of course it matters and look you and I enjoy the fact that a little indie movie with uh, a very tiny distributor is able to play the game perfectly and then brag about it on social media but <laughs> I, I mean the fact that she got nominated is is wild yeah. the fact that they knew they could break all the rules and still get nominated and not get rescinded is wild and i give them so much credit for pulling it off and getting away with it uh because the movie's good and because her performance is good so we can all just rejoice in the fact that her performance is good and that she deserves this nomination and we could forget everything else and it's like clayton davis said on our show she you know are you gonna Damn Andrea Riceboro because she's a veteran of the industry and had the juice to pull this off with like is it knows that many A-listers that like her that much that held these viewing parties and all tweeted and, and did these social media campaigns on her behalf, or at least had those people's teams do the social media campaigns on her behalf. I don't know. They would have to kick half the academy out. <laughs> if they were <laughs> look, they would You'd have to shut down the actors bridge. <laughs> This is like, uh, who was it? The uh, you remember when Wall Street you know, kind of collapsed? You remember that two thousand eight? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, I was a senior in college. You remember the uh, the regular future being lit on fire actively in front of you? Do you remember that? Remember the financial <laughs> regulatory commissions looked at all yes. those mortgages subprime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were toxic, but they bundled them <laughs> together as bonds anyway. Yeah. You remember how nobody went to jail? That's this, that's this. Yeah. Remember? I mean, it's, this, this is just, no, well, that's not this. This is, I mean, that was serious. This is like, and they didn't get in trouble. This is not serious. Look, I cannot take a serious take on this because, of course, they're not going to enforce any of the rules that they're not really rules because if they were rules and they enforced them, then they, they would have to rescind the nomination. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like what spurred the investigation in the first place is my question. 
Because uh, I can't believe this is the only time in recent history this has happened. It's just that this film was so small. They kind of touted it from the root rooftops that they broke all the nom- like here's the thing like and, and clayton on the new award circuit actually explained it fairly well it's the they said the people that didn't know the rules that got excited about andrea riseborough's performance and then they broke all the rules on social media mm-hmm. they put this all out into the public <laughs> before and during the rule breaking so yeah i mean we're gonna as an academy frown upon that and then still give you what you want so <laughs> they're like bad parents. <laughs> I, I think I don't understand. I don't understand how anybody can look at these rules. Right. And then say she didn't break them. <laughs> and, and then say, well, all right, I guess she shouldn't have her nomination rescinded. That would be terrible. Look, it would be terrible. It would be terrible because the performance is good, but it wouldn't be terrible. Well, what she what, broke what, all what the rule did she break? All of the rules, all yeah, of them. But, she but, but. specific her people <laughs> specifically demeaned other <laughs> and and number one, they solicited votes directly with illegal screenings. Those dinner parties, <laughs> as Ann Thompson just said on Screen Talk, are illegal. You but do we have, have like them. do we have the smoking gun of them saying, "Hey, Courtney Cox, would you mind hosting this dinner party?" Like, do we have the email? Do we have proof that they that have happened? proof that all these dinner parties happened? Otherwise, she wouldn't have had a chance in hell. But, but she wouldn't have had a cold is, chance what in I'm hell to get is, nominated. Is if if like, and this is why it's unenforceable. Like, if Andrea Riseborough and Courtney Cox were having lunch one day in L.A. And Andrea Riseborough was like, gee, I'd really like to be nominated for an Oscar. And Courtney Cox, on her own cognition, is like, hey, why don't I host a viewing party to get, like, and invite a bunch of actors over? Like, what's illegal about that? Andrea Riseborough didn't directly solicit Courtney Cox to do that. It's illegal to do that. That's why all these screenings have to be kind of a... Not well, where do you draw they the have line to be official. there? Because so, what about Quentin Tarantino hosting up all these fucking viewing parties for people over and like having people over his personal theater to check out this movie? Like that's it's ridiculous. Yeah, they're, of course, they're, it's but what are they checking out? They're checking out Grindhouse movies from the sixties. They're not sure, checking right. out his new movie I, I un- that's sure, up for Academy Award. And you, you're not inviting you Academy. To tell members. me, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me <laughs> that this, a viewing party like this has never happened before? I am telling you that it always happens, but it's always breaking up the rules. <laughs> That the, and that the rules are hilariously trodden upon but every year. that's why they're unenforceable. They, they actually broke all the rules all at once <laughs> in one section maybe of the week. Maybe this shouldn't be a rule. Because they only... Is, I guess, my stance. Maybe, maybe it shouldn't be a rule is is is, is a unique take. But uh, look, I know you're putting your defense attorney hat on here, but <laughs> I guess when the laws are never enforced and then we're... we're gonna be i'm not saying they're never i'm saying it's unenforceable like it is impossible for that type of law to be enforced true but you know it's also kind of an honor system where you shouldn't you know whip the votes directly by having small dinner parties at your house to you know they could be anything they could be orgies michael they're Mm, probably orgies michael didn't consider that (laughs) you can have a babylon party and just get everybody to agree that because they had such a great time at the party. <laughs> Could you imagine if if Giselle put two Leslie on in the background of that scene in Babylon? You watch two Leslie, and then you have a Babylon party. That's prob. I'm look. I'm I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm saying that's what happened. Like, Allegedly, this is, 
<laughs> like I predict, like because otherwise, every year you remember 2015's The Invitation. Remember that cult movie? Yeah, yep, I do. That's every year. But that—that's my point. Is that that? I mean, I don't know what to what end. Like, just drop it, Academy. Just this is going to happen because you can't. There's no. You can't draw a line in the sand. It is impossible. They Actors know are this. friends. They know they're all this. represented by the same people. Especially when all the white people get together. What are you gonna do? <laughs> You gonna you are you really gonna get all the white people in trouble? All of them? Come on! Kick all the white Come people on. out of the academy. <laughs> you can't prosecute all the white people. Of course not. <laughs> That's hilarious. I agree. I agree with you, Mike. Well, from one ridiculous story to maybe more serious one, uh, the WGA noms were announced. The original screenplay noms read as such, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was Oscar-nominated. The Fablemans, Oscar-nominated. Tar, also Oscar-nominated. The two that weren't Oscar-nominated in the original screenplay category that made the WGA category for original screenplay, uh, The Menu and Nope, uh, Banshees, and Triangle of Sadness, the other two Oscar noms, were ineligible for the WGA uh, awards here, as well as After Sun, Empire of Light, RRR, and The Inspection. All right, so I will complete my insufferable shtick. Uh, with the last segment, and I'll move on uh, to okay, some screenplay and punditry analysis here. Because basically the Daniels are set up to win this category. You have the the three Oscar noms in it, but the Daniels seem to be kind of the, the leader uh, over Todd Field and, and Tony Kushner, Steven Spielberg. I'm guessing Banshees and Triangle of Sadness were not here. So if, in fact, original screenplay is going to come down to McDonough, who's not here, who has to win BAFTA, essentially – and probably will win BAFTA, Mike, and then the Daniels here. I would here. think. I mean, if he doesn't, that's a red flag for his Oscars chances, I would say. And he's won the he's won two BAFTA screenplay awards. So, like, to me, Kushner and Spielberg really need this WGA thing to yeah. happen, and that would show a closer race. But it's, it's only two days before the Academy voting window closes when the WGA winners are announced. So it's not like there's a lot of time to galvanize a late switch. So I'm still thinking everything everywhere versus Banshees is what's shaping up in the Oscars original screenplay category. And I don't know if WGA is going to affect it all that much this year. Yeah, no, I I tend to agree with you. I also think any kind of support for uh, direct or for Fablements is being consolidated in the director category. More you, so than the original think. screenplay category. And right. I mean, I think the Vegas odds certainly reflect that. Spielberg is second in director right now at a very close plus 110, almost even money, to the Daniels leading that category around minus 150-ish, whereas Kushner and Spielberg are solidly in fourth place as far as Vegas odds go for the original screenplay category, and their odds are beyond 10 to 1, longer than 10 to 1. So, I mean, they're behind even Tar for original screenplay odds right now in Vegas. So, yeah, I mean... It, the Fablemans needs to win WGA, and even then, even if it does, that'd be a, a huge upset, I think, at this point. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Do, but do you? I want. I guess the question is this: Do you think if we have the Daniels looking like a winner in original screenplay, that does anything to affect? Like, if the Daniels win BAFTA, then it looks like Daniels are winning original screenplay because they would be winning choice BAFTA and like we're saying most likely WGA then does well, that then the question to me is like how many Oscars does everything everywhere win well to me th- does that split okay now we can vote for Spielberg and director because the Daniels are going to win screenplay on Oscar puzzle theory I, there yeah I, I get I, that makes logical sense 
I mean, is Spielberg going to win anything? Who's going to win? Uh, director is going to go to DGA, right? Whoever wins DGA is you. There's a huge crossover between the winner of the DGA and the winner of the director at the Oscars. So, yeah, I, I, you know, if I would think the Daniels are, I don't know. I was going to say I think they're stronger in director, but I don't know that I believe that. I, I think at the end of the day, where I'm leaning right now, the Daniels are going to win screenplay, and that. Uh, Spielberg's going to win director, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe McDonough. And McDonough does what? Just He's just not going to win again. Happy I, to be there? Yeah, I mean, he's going to get nominated again. He's still kind of young. He probably should have won an Oscar by now, but it didn't happen. I mean, he's won a short film Oscar, don't get me wrong, but he probably should have won a... But PTA doesn't have an Oscar, for Christ's sake. No. Uh, move on to the adapted category for WGA next. The Oscar noms here, there are three of them again. Glass, Onion, and Knives Out Mystery. It's nominated at the Oscars in this category, makes WGA. Top Gun Maverick, nominated at the Oscars, makes WGA. And Women Talking, nominated at the Oscars, makes WGA. The two that were not Oscar nominated that are here as adapted screenplay noms for the WGA are Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and She Said. The two Oscar noms that were ineligible for WGA consideration here, All Quiet on the Western Front and Living, Again, those made the Oscars category for Adapted Screenplay. They could not make the Adapted Screenplay category at WGA, as well as uh, The Whale was ineligible, Pinocchio was ineligible, and Marcel the Shell was also ineligible for consideration here. So this was necessary for women talking. Oh, yeah. We would have to agree. Uh, this is another you know, feather in the cap of Top Gun Maverick, even though this mm-hmm. is kind of the one that I, I expected because WGA gets diluted with all the ineligibles. Uh, Glass Onion makes some sense here as well. I don't know what direction this category is going to no go because you're going to see women talking out of the BAFTA five. So we don't know who's going to take BAFTA necessarily. I would guess it's one of the British films or, or, or I would guess it's either the British film in living or uh, the uh, excuse me, the all quiet on the Western front screenplay. Yep. I would agree. Maybe the, yeah, I, 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 I mean the whale she said, and excuse me, I'm looking for the fifth nominee. Who's the other BAFTA? The and the Quiet Girl. Off. Christ. Oh. No. <laughs> the Quiet Girl, <laughs> she said, and the Whale are the other three nominees. So you would think BAFTA's going to go all quiet on the Western Front or living, and it's probably going to go all quiet on the Western Front. So is that going to change how you look at this category, all quiet on the Western Front in the uh, the Show Me the Money episode we did? They were they were actually the the betting favorite. I don't think anything can change how I look at this category because I don't know how I look at this category. <laughs> I think this, I think adapted screenplay is a mess. It's I open. mean, WGA, we're missing 40% of the Oscar noms because two were ineligible. But the betting favorite right now for the Oscars category had, like, the worst two-week run-up to nomination day that any Best Picture contender has any, ever had in Women Talking. But it's still the betting favorite because the one that has the most momentum in All Quiet on the Western Front was such a late charger into this Oscars conversation. I, I think, look, you kind of hit the big point to me in the top of this. Sarah Polly should be waking up every day, patting herself on the back for filling out the WGA paperwork however many years ago she did, because if Woman Talking wasn't in WGA consideration, if it wasn't eligible, I think it would be a lot of trouble for this Oscars category. The fact that it's here, uh, it, like, it, 
it can only help its cause, oh, I yeah. think. If it wasn't in consideration, I mean, like we, we keep citing all those years ago, Tarantino, we think, lost the original screenplay category because he wasn't in WGA consideration for the original screenplay category there. And yet, like I said, this is only coming out two days before voting, winter voting closes with the I Academy. wonder how much that, like, you, do you think people turn in their Oscars ballots early? Because I think I would, if it was me, I would wait until the last day. Maybe I, I I'm not sure. I think I think some people are ready and they just turn them in. I, I mean, why have a week long? People who don't really care. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, if you're ready, you're ready. I think All Quiet on the Western Front is likely to win BAFTA a couple weeks beforehand. Then you're going to have USC Scripter, which could go Women Talking's way. How much is that going to affect your 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 sway here or the consensus? And then Women Talking could win WGA a couple days before it could not, but it could win couple days before women talking is not lighting the box office on fire so that again i i think that kind of stuff it, it doesn't always matter in screenplay necessary can you ever forgive me that those you know smaller movies win screenplay awards don't get me wrong of course they do but like like if top gun wants to win best picture top gun's got to win wga maybe maybe not usc but top gun's got to win wga and then this at the oscars adapted screenplay now Women talking, you know, you could see that being the critical favorite up till now. But what does that mean? Like we, we've we've recognized that critical favorites and Golden Globe tabbing, you know, putting that in the one category, that doesn't mean much. We've seen Get mm-hmm. Out not get nominated at the Globes, right. and then go on to win the Oscar. So it doesn't necessarily matter. I, I think ultimately could be money to be made in this category too. Like if you wanted to bet numbers yeah. out at like four to one or five to one. It's possible. Maybe. It's possible. It's, it could be a Top Gun category. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, I, at the end of the day, if I'm handicapping it, I would say women talking and all quiet on the Western front are the two that, you know, toss up maybe a coin flip between those two. I would agree with that, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not sure that all quiet doesn't take the category. I mean, the thing, is, the thing about all quiet is you can kind of consolidate its winning it, it, towards the international feature. Right, so you don't. Well, it's winning international feature for sure. Yeah. And then you could delineate the support for women talking here. Mm. So that's another thing. And Is top, there support for women talking? Top Gun Maverick's going to win sound, and I don't know, but Top Gun Maverick's going to win sound and uh, maybe editing still. Well, editing's where we can go next, and yeah. that's what we're talking about with the Ace Eddie. Uh, the Film Editing Guild nominations here; those came out, and those, uh, as always, are broken down into uh, a couple different categories and and look the ace eddies have a strong historical crossover to the oscar for film editing uh 42 of the last 61 years an ace eddie winner won the editing oscar that's 68 percent including a 10 for 10 streak in the 2000s film editing category as for the ace eddie winners going on to win best picture that's much less in terms of percentage and crossover 28 of 61 for a 45 percent crossover yeah there's a reason for that i'll get into it in a second but here are your nominees ace eddie best edited theatrical drama all quiet on the western front which was not oscar nominated elvis which was oscar nominated tar which was oscar nominated top gun maverick also oscar nominated and the woman king all quiet elvis tar maverick and the woman king are your best edited drama ace eddie category the best edited comedy category for the ace eddie ace eddies uh, has Banshees and Everything Everywhere, which are also both Oscar nominated in the editing category. And then for Best Edited Comedy at the Ace Eddie's Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, The Menu and Triangle of Sadness. 
So I think this would have been bigger news if we had a major snub, if we had one of the Oscar noms snubbed yeah, from agree. the Ace Eddies. So that did not happen here. All five nominees are in either drama or comedy. But Everything Everywhere All at Once took, in a surprising twist, the critics' choice. Top Gun Maverick has owned this category with the critics' associations leading up to this. And yet, we're going to have to wait kind of to the Ace Eddies before we really know who has the control of the category. And then again, we will never really know if Top Gun wins drama and Everything Everywhere wins comedy. The only... uh demarcation between those two i would say is looking back at history is what happened at the oscars between the editing winner and the best picture winner since the 2001 oscars which was obviously the show that celebrated the year 2000 films there's only been seven instances of the movie winning best film editing and winning best picture at the oscars so you think okay that's not so bad except here's the list of those seven winners Argo, Hurt Locker, Slumdog Millionaire, The Departed, Crash, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and Chicago. So what what sticks out to you about that list, Mike? It's Did Diane Warren write a song for each one of those movies? (laughs) That's correct. Diane Warren wrote (laughs) a song. I knew it. Yeah. (laughs) No, No, I I mean, the last time the editing winner won Best Picture was 10 years ago. It's happened once in the last 10 years, and that one was a decade ago with Argo, who had their own craziness with the Ben Affleck nomination, lack of nomination thing. So... It's not, it seems to be in terms of an Oscars puzzle thing that when it comes to be Oscar Sunday, film editing doesn't go with the best picture winner, much in the same way that best director hasn't gone with the best picture winner mm-hmm. lately as just a quirky thing. So I that, to me, suggests that if it's between everything, everywhere, and Top Gun Maverick, that this would be Top Gun Maverick's category. And yet, if you tell me that Top Gun Maverick wins best picture and does not win best editing... That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Wouldn't we throw the stat the other way? <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, Top Gun Maverick's road to Best Picture is getting very, very short. Very short. Very narrow. It's got to win PGA. Yeah. And then it's got to win editing, sound, and maybe even song on the night. Yeah. To, to show you that it's just going to take a, much more than we thought. I, 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 I would be see it happening. Yeah, yeah I, no, I don't either. A lot of odds against it right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it either, unfortunately, because I, I think it's the best movie since 1986. Well, it's the same movie that came out in 1986. Best since, you know, best since. Back, back and forth with that all day. I can't wait for this film year to be over. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Hassan Minaj is tabbed as the host of the Film Independent Spirit Awards this year, Michael. Yeah, the Indie Spirits will be streamed live on IMDb and Film Independent's YouTube channel March 4th, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Hassan Minaj is, of course, a former correspondent on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart there. He's also been the host of the Emmy and Peabody winning Patriot Act and he's and he's known for stand-up comedy specials like Homecoming King both the Patriot Act and Homecoming King are on Netflix Mike why isn't why isn't IFC Network still broadcasting the Indie Spirits I mean what what else do they have to do they had to air their 87th straight documentary now marathon (laughs) I am in such asshole mode today (laughs) I'm such a jerk today. I don't give any Fs. No filter. I it's a can't it's a fair question. Like, who was it? Seth Rogen talking at the Critics' Choice. Like you couldn't spring for the extra hour on the CW network. Like you know what? what IFC else? getting an hour at 2 p.m. on the West Coast for IFC can't be that expensive. I would is, think. Is this 
I mean, is this a thing where the award shows are saying, oh, we can't do this show for less than X. And then the the TV uh, broadcast network is like, well, we can't, it's not worth us, us putting in X amount of money to do your show. And then they're at this standoff. Is Could that be. what this I, is? I mean, I, I would love to know the, uh, the line item of how to, to produce an award show and what the total cost is versus what a network like IFC or CW, who obviously doesn't have the quaffers that a broadcast channel like ABC or Disney owned by Disney has, you know? So, I mean, it could be, I, I don't, I also don't know. I mean, I, it's IFC independently run. I, I obviously we know the IFC, uh, uh, no, they're the, owned the by studio, but bigger. I mean, are they owned by someone bigger? Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know how deep the pockets go there. I don't but remember. I, I know Hassan Minaj is going to be a good host because he's got a pretty impressive hosting resume already for a guy who's not going to be 38 until September. That's depressing. But you mentioned the Netflix show. Uh, he's also hosted the White House Correspondents Dinner already. He's going to return to the Daily Show at some point this year to be a guest host because they've been doing a revolving guest host per week ever since Trevor Noah left the throne there yeah. in December. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. Hassan Minaj, I'm always been a fan of. I'm just bummed that he's... And he's a great basketball fan, by the way. But I'm yeah, just, he was in. He was in thirty eight at the Garden, right? Yeah, I'm just bummed that he's not getting more of a showcase. Like you got him to host the show. He's just on IMDb, and he's just on the internet for this. I mean, <laughs> it kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, award shows, baby. <laughs> uh, we we had. We need, yeah, Netflix, we need Netflix to save us. We just do. That's good. That's that's what everyone in Hollywood is saying right now, I think, about everything. Uh, James Gunn, let's get to the kind of main course here. James Gunn announced Chapter 1 of the brand new DCU will be called Gods and Monsters. And by my count, 17 projects were either announced or confirmed during this, what was it, six-minute YouTube video, Mike? Yeah. Where Gunn had statements at the at the end of it where he's like, I, "Look, I've loved DC characters since childhood. There was this was a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something different. Uh, I want unique visions, always something special with these movies uh, and and shows and stories. And quote unquote storytelling is always king, and that's all that matters to us." Unquote. Uh, he wants to be true to these DC stories, true to the audience, and like he said, give us something different than we've ever seen before. Now. One of the first things he opened with was that this is not a and hard... this brand new, never seen before <laughs> universe. It's we're not a starting... hard reboot. Yeah, we're starting yeah. with the same stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I'm jumping all. It's not a hard. No, you're reboot. fine. This is I'm going to be. I am very cynical about this whole thing. I love James Gunn. I'm excited for the new DCU. But mm-hmm. man, the way they're framing this is bull crap. <laughs> because projects one through four are the same projects that have been completed uh, with the exception of one minor, that, the one that they scrapped for tax purses, purposes, jerks, <laughs> which was unreleasable, apparently. All right, we'll uh-huh. have to take yeah. your word for All it. Right. Anyway, one through four, here we have Shazam, Fury of the Gods, The Flash. No issues with The Flash whatsoever <laughs> that we've been covering or not. They wouldn't shelve that one. It's like no. one of the best. Never. Yeah, anyway. No, ne- neither God nor man alike could ever... <laughs> Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle still coming out, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. They will all, according to James Gunn, connect to the DCU. However, one of these, the best that he's ever seen, will be a hard reset. But it's yeah. but it's a soft reboot. But it's a hard yeah. reset. Yeah. Soft and reboot. It's, 
it needs to come out because we just can't possibly. So yeah, all right. The Flash movie is going forward, and not only are they going forward with it at this brand new DC, but Variety cited Gun calling it quote one of the greatest superhero movies ever made, mm-hmm. while also saying it will be the reset point for the entire DCU. Uh, via a Monday press conference for reporters on the WB lot. This explanation also from Tatiana Siegel's piece for Variety. Uh, she she wrote, quote, the pair, Gunn and co-CEO Peter Saffron said, Shazam sets up the Andy Muschietti directed The Flash, which resets everything, according to Gunn. He declined to spell out exactly how the Miller-led standalone resets everything because the movie is plot-driven and would contain spoilers. Isn't yeah, Every but they, movie plot driven. I, I, I know it, Mike. I, I know the answer. They yeah. both have lightning bolts on their red suits. There you go. Perfect. Got it. Got Nailed it. it. Here's your billion dollar contract. <laughs> the Flash then segues into Blue Beetle, which flows into Aquaman 2, which will then lead into a new Superman film without Henry Cavill, the actor who most recently donned the red cape for the big screen. I, I'll say this I can respect <laughs> the mental gymnastics and the pandering here. Because this is well, like next level. Yeah, that's that's what this is, is mental gymnastics. <laughs> Look at this next part. Uh, because Elseworld Projects, which is a term from the uh, DC Comics universe, apparently, which I learned. Uh, Elseworld Projects will continue to tell stories outside of the DCU. I also hate DCU as an acronym. Shouldn't it be DCCU? The DC Cinematic Universe? The DC Universe. I mean, MCU is three letters, though. How can you go four letters if MCU is three letters? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to differentiate yourself in any way. I get it. Why would you? Yeah, I mean, all right. The end of that argument. We got to confuse kids. <laughs> Solving the world's problems here. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Elseworld pro- projects are Boy, as are follows. Boy, are we jaded today. <laughs> they're, really going, they're really going out on a limb to go to yeah. these Elseworlds, Michael. The Batman Part Two from Matt Reeves uh, starring Robert Pattinson. That $900 million success is getting a second movie. Go figure. Joker, Folly Ado, from Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga. You won't believe it, but they're getting a sequel. <laughs> go and figure. Teen Titans Go. Every little kid in the world loves this show. The animated series will continue uh, as an Elseworld project as well. Okay. So now we're, of, of the 17 new properties, now we're seven deep and not one is new. Mm-hmm. Uh this is the most hilarious part of the new DCU to me. Walter Hamada, the old DC executive, he was the guy who had the vision to say, screw the core of one running story throughout all DC properties. Let's just make as much money as we can with all of these. Yeah. And all that did was lead to a over billion dollar Aquaman movie, a $366 million Shazam take, an over a billion dollar Joker movie, and a three quarters of a billion dollar Batman movie, each of which did so well financially that they all merited their own sequels, despite almost having nothing to do with one another. Not to mention he also oversaw relatively successful sequels such as Wonder Woman 1984 and Birds of Prey, which well, had little to, to do with each other. Yeah, well, the Suicide Squad is probably... Birds of Prey did bad, but that was at the beginning of the pandemic. It, it, it did bad. It didn't do as well as the other ones. It, it did, did okay bad. financially. It was critically praised, though. Yeah, critically. Okay. But it did bad financially. Like his Fine. two flops. Like if you if you had Hamada's two flops on display, Birds of Prey and what was his Black other flop? A- Black Adam. But but even like I mean, the, the Deadline wrote more than one article about how Black Adam's ultimately going to be okay. profitable That's at fair. the end. And it, That's it, fair. anyway, so yeah. But nonetheless. 
multiple billion dollar properties. It should have almost was three in the last, like, you know, what, five years span alone. So none of that was good enough for WB. So Hamada had to go because, like you said, he had maybe a flop or two. Except for the fact that we'll keep his biggest ideas because those have been the only financially successful aspects of the DC library this decade. Also, we'll release the movies he's already gotten the can and slated as an EP for and even use them as the starting points for our all-inclusive DC universe. But Hamada himself, the guy that was at the helm of yeah, that guy had to go. He was terrible. Yeah. So essentially... None of this is new! <laughs> essentially, because Marvel went like 30 for 30 in over yeah, right. a 15-year span, right. these guys went, you know... Walter Hamada had to get out. Yeah, these guys went 10 <laughs> for 12. Yeah. Uh, All this true. poor guy did was behind the conjuring universe which is the most financially successful horror universe in history True. the second most successful uh comic book universe in history multi-billion multi multi-billion dollar standalone films that were separate from one another that guy he just he had to get out all right well i'll say this do you th- like we're gonna oh, uh, maybe i'll hold the question but let, let's have this as a running question do you think this is gonna work like, do you think James Gunn will be able to execute this? Well, let's talk about the TV series as a starting point to that, because this is all new stuff that Gunn introduced for the first time. Yeah, Creature Commandos, number eight here, written written by James Gunn. He wrote all the episodes, which is, again, crazy, because I've heard a lot of people criticize the fact that he's supposed to, you know, shepherd this whole thing, but he's actually writing and probably directing a lot of these projects. How's he going to yeah, do this anyway? That's nuts. That's a big task. But Creature Commandos animated series uh, and Gunn says characters will move in and out of animation and live action properties, hopefully played by most of the same actors. Uh, number nine, we have Waller starring Viola Davis. This is a team peacemaker spinoff uh, created by Crystal Henry of Watchmen and Jeremy Carver of Doom Patrol. Okay. Then we have Lanterns, a true detective-like HBO Max show about Green Lantern space cops watching over Precinct Earth named Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. In it, they discover a terrifying mystery that ties into the larger story of the DCU. Oh, boy. And then we have Paradise Lost, a Wonder Woman prequel about Paradise Island in the vein of Game of Thrones. Uh, and finally, this actually sounds funny to me. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. Booster Gold, one of the comics' popular cult heroes, he is a loser from the future who uses technology to come back to present day to become a superhero, so that some people, anybody, will love him. Is uh, his Homelander? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's kind of fun. I, I actually like that take. I don't know. I don't know Booster Gold at all. At me all. Me either. Well, I don't know any many of these IPs. Yeah. Uh, I'm, but I'm with like this is where I am hopeful. All the new stuff th- that is genuinely new stuff. Yeah, I I have hopes for. I'm especially intrigued by Waller as a standalone TV show. They're keeping Viola Davis. He announced that as well, tying her into the Peacemaker universe. I, I worry about the tones that he's citing. Like, oh, this is our Game of Thrones show. This is our True Detective. I don't like yeah. that. That's because- very. Uh, what do they call those calls that the, that you make for the. St- shareholders call buzzwords that's a shareholders yeah yeah, that's a shareholders call bud buzzword and all you're doing is citing like the most critically acclaimed shows in television (laughs) history so they're not that easy to replicate you know he can only say marvelous he can't say marvel 
<laughs> right. He can only say so. fantastic. He can't say fantastic four-ish. Anyway, no. It, it, but yeah, so I, look, I mean, yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, some of these sound fun. Uh, sure. Wa- I love Peacemaker. Peacemaker's a fun show. It's evil, but I loved it. And uh, Waller is a spinoff. That's good. I want a season two of Peacemaker. I wonder what they're doing with that. Maybe they're just going to fold it into Waller. I mean, look, you could do worse than having John Cena and Viola Davis leading your miniseries, you know? Right. And we've seen the comic book miniseries streaming thing have great success. And oh, yeah. Take hold of the zeitgeist and be just as popular as, like, you know, appointment television viewing was on HBO back in the day. So well, you're not I a, am hopeful for all that. Mike, you're not a Disney Plus Marvel TV series watcher right no. now. Are no. you going to be a DC HBO Max series watcher with these series on the on the schedule? I'll absolutely watch Waller just because I'm so intrigued by the way that character has been so monotonally evil. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter how depraved the thing she needs is she's going to deliver it with that stern and it's all oh, viola davis is doing obviously but I'm, yeah. I'm very fascinated by that character especially if they do fold that into the peacemaker world i've been meaning to actually start peacemaker i just haven't hit play on it yet i'm surprised because uh yeah you you would probably john like cena muscles yeah yeah mike let's get into the new films announced we have superman legacy number 13 here written by james gunn he's in the middle of it he and, is stretching himself awfully thin here, isn't he? I think so. And it's starring not Henry Cavill. It is not starring Henry Cavill. That is, that is true. That excuse is me. It's, it's it's starring not Henry Cavill. That's right. Yeah, That's no, my, my fault there. Yeah, not Henry Cavill. Right. Not Henry Cavill. Uh, this is coming out July 11th, 2025. Don't so, weep for Henry Cavill. He's going to do every video game adaptation on a streamer ever. Superman Legacy. Do you think he can get back into the one he just left? Or did he sign on? Well, doing he's doing Warhammer, else? isn't he? Isn't he doing a Warhammer oh, okay. live adaptation next? I which is you. a board game, I think. Cool. All right. Uh, Fourteen. We have the Authority, a passion project of guns based on the Wild Storm characters who quote think the world is broken and they want to fix it by any means necessary. So essentially, the Guardians of the Galaxy DC version, or what do you think this is? The Authority. Well, that to me also because isn't Peacemaker's slogan of he's a man who loves peace so much he's willing to kill for it. Yeah. So that to me kind of sounds like that kind of oxymoron. So they think the... the world is broken, so they'll fix it by any means necessary. I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with those characters at all. Is this the talk about the boys and Homelander? Is this like the Homelanders? Could be. Huh. That'd be interesting. I'd be. I'd. I'd I mean, it sounds like it would tie in with Booster Gold, doesn't it? I know nothing I, I about know. these properties. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Fifteen. We have the Brave and the Bold, featuring the story of Damian Wayne as Robin, and essentially. The Batman, the Brave and the Bold is going to be a Bat Family movie, one of the first in the DCU. So, obviously, Batman is the headliner there, but I was excited and intrigued by James Gunn not putting the focus on Batman. Like, Batman is almost a secondary character if you listen to the way he talks about this movie. He's more excited by Damian Wayne, his favorite Robin. He wants to see what he gets into and up to. And we haven't had a focus on Robin since, I mean, never ever <laughs> right so <laughs> i that intrigued me greatly i was I, I i am excited about that there was a scene at the circus in batman forever <laughs> right. michael we have uh 16 supergirl woman of tomorrow one of gunn's favorite runs of comics last year and he says quote we're now gonna turn that into a big epic science fiction superhero film unquote sounds like superman is going to be the straight-laced usual 
all good and altruistic character that he always is. And Gunn made mention that Supergirl would be a little more sarcastic and jaded and edged, and there'd be a nice dichotomy to play off once those two ever meet. Yeah, she had like a horrifying backstory where she's just like on a piece of Krypton floating around in space, nobody helping her. We've yeah. all been there. Anyway, uh, that's 16. 17 is Swamp Thing. Quote, Probably the headline and like the big shock and awe yeah. announcement here. Quote, a very dark horror story on the origins of the monster, unquote. Which it seems like if headlines are to be believed that James Mangold, the guy behind Logan and Ford v. Ferrari and 310 to Yuma, uh, and a Bob Dylan biopic, by the way, which is in the works, uh, he's right now in talks to take this job as he's the one who came to James Gunn and presented him with a story that got Gunn all excited about the origin of Swamp Thing. And all right. So this is the news, right? These these movies are kind of the headline section. Gunn's new Superman, Gunn's new Batman. But maybe Batman's going to be a secondary character and the focus will be on Robin. And then Swamp Thing, the first ever cinematic showing of Swamp Thing since like 1989, I believe. So I'll bring it back to the question here of do you trust James Gunn and do you trust that this is going to work because we we got some cool properties it's very kind of white guy centric but there are some cool properties <laughs> very, here right you could say that about every Hollywood studio uh, forever God. yeah uh, although it doesn't need to be right like you could have cast anyone in these roles and I'm sure you're going to get the short sighted people that would mm. riot like they always do but there's no need for you brought up the point though I, there was no mention of the Tanishi Coates black Superman story with JJ Abrams. That's interesting. Why? Um, I, I don't know. I, I thought there, I thought that was being easy else world. Right. Same here. But um, look, it, I like James Gunn. I trust James Gunn's directorial abilities and his vision. I, this is aspirational, but how long is the leash? Like if he gets one flop here, are we, is he going to be Hamadad? If Superman legacy is bad. Yeah. What happens? I, I it mm-hmm. sounds like they're, building a ramp with the HBO Max shows to you? What do you think? How do you think this like this timeline isn't necessarily clear? I know we're getting Superman Legacy in 2025. That's two years away. Or a year and, year and three quarters away, essentially. Mm-hmm. A year and a half away. No, I can't do math, especially calendar math. Well, 2025 is, well, we'll call that two years away. <laughs> July of 2025. So it's, All right, so two and a half years away. Two and five-twelfths of the years away. Right. So, I mean, is that the big kicking off point to you? You don't buy that the Flash is the big? The Flash is a reset. To me, the Flash is just going to be the Flashpoint Paradox, which I, I've seen the animated film. It was very good, by the way. Awesome story. I, I, I kind of dig that story. Uh, I don't necessarily Good. need a bad dude leading the way there if, if he is, in fact, like... Well, yeah, and that's... I mean, look, it's not an ex- excuse as to why they haven't canceled The Flash, but we at least now know... I mean, this is the explanation they're going with, and we always wondered for months, why aren't they just shelving this freaking project? And this is why. I mean, they see it as a good in to probably end one run of the DC and start the other, and James Gunn seems to be behind it. I mean, look, calling it the greatest superhero film ever. <sighs> All right. <laughs> That's a bit much, but we at least know that there's a value in the story being told there. Does that outweigh the value of shelving a project like this mm. to maybe punish the lead character, the leading actor who's got this kind of history of struggles that he clearly needs help with? And has he gotten that help? We hope so. But 
I don't know. I, it's not, you know, I'm glad we're not in that position to make that call, but mm. I, this is what this, this is the story that WB and the new WB and the new DC is giving us anyway, when it comes to that movie. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. We tried covering that story a little bit and it was just very, sh- I, I, it, it was hard to grasp. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of layers to unless, it. unless you take the allegations on the surface and then it's not hard to grasp. He's a, he's a, he's a bad dude. Right. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's you know, we stumble over our words here because we're trying to you know be fair to to every side, but it's just it's tough to be fair to a side where it's that much consistent bad news from the same actor. Right. So anyway, anyway, we don't know. I think it's. Uh, but that's uh, that's why they're not canceling the Flash. Is my point. It's a major shift of the industry to for DC WB, one of the pillared studios of the industry, to attempt an mcu like full-blown attempt on the mcu cinematic universe while holding on to their best money makers in the interim like that seems like a financially wise decision no that's walter hamada's vision right that's what that guy was but doing. He, he had, had the central dceu storyline yeah he had one flop and so he's dead <laughs> like i don't understand this is fine and yeah it's aspirational and i'm hopeful for it and the tv tie-in is a really cool thing that wasn't there before and i don't know that it's that much of a leap in logic once you see what marvel's been doing with disney plus okay warners has their own streamer with hbo max doesn't it make sense that we have the dc to expand it to our streamer as well yeah that's that's a great blueprint i think that makes a lot of sense but like if you're going to tell me james gunn I, I don't believe he's going to be allowed to have multiple flops within this plan cinematically. It's, I don't think that's going to work yeah. for WB. Now, has he had a flop yet? I mean, the the, the Suicide it's Squad, a great question. I guess, is considered one because it was during the pandemic or well, just that's, after. Yeah, but that, you can't hold that against him. Right. We liked the movie. Some people didn't like the movie. Right. Peacemaker was a big hit on HBO Max. Was mm-hmm. the Suicide Squad a big hit on HBO Max, getting them subscribers? Again, if you do the subscriber math versus the box office math, that's a whole different math. And there was a ton of success in <laughs> math, math, math. There was a ton of uh, like hype going into that Suicide Squad movie, too. A lot of marketing behind it, too. Remember the list of the cast when it first hit? How everyone was like, oh, so just everyone's in this movie. Everyone's going to be a superhero mm-hmm. now. And he handled it wonderfully, too, I thought. We thought. Everybody's on Arrakis. And everybody else is in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, we remember that. And the leftovers can be in Oppenheimer. (laughs) Good. All right. I'm going to do a very quick make the case segment, Michael, to finish the episode because my Sundance watching watching has carried over into I just can't stop watching movies at night because I I binged like a couple in a row. You people in Shotgun Wedding. Eh. Meh. 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 All right, moving on. Missing, missing. I went to the movies and saw Missing. I like these Screen Life movies. They're very good. They're great. I haven't seen this one yet, but I don't know why we don't get... This is just should be a whole... Speaking about a cinematic universe. Storm Reed plays the character of June, and she's the most capable high school person ever, especially with good. technology. But I believe it because it's a kid being more savvy with her technology on her laptop than I am. And so I, I was can't just, have children. That's right. And I definitely no. cannot give them a computer. Right. If I ever did. So this is like twisty, fun, missing persons mystery that gets heavy. But, I mean, I loved missing for this reason and this reason mostly. It flew by. 
It flew yeah. by. B85 all day, and this movie flew. I watched this. It felt like I barely sat down. And the same could be said, Mike, for Knock at the Cabin. That movie, to- like, I did not, I was not bored for a second. I was hooked at Knock at the Cabin from start to finish. And this was after watching 32 Sundance movies where, let's just say, I had some lulls. And <laughs> you felt every second of a few. Yeah. So Knock at the Cabin, like, this is good Batista. It's a one note performance, but it's supposed to be. Good Batista. I, I enjoyed him in this. I enjoyed the the cast. Uh, I, I I was locked in. I, and this is a hard movie to lock me into because there's a lot of flashbacks, even though they're kind of literal thirty second flashes. So there's like breaks in the narrative, breaks in the narrative momentum that he just somehow makes go faster with this type of flashback movie. And look, he's adapting a novel here. So ironically, this is not M. Night's typical type of story. So this is this is M. Night doing something different, doing this apocalyptic chamber piece. And I guess my biggest issue with Knock at the Cabin is that we're shown too much in the trailers. So otherwise, I'm like, again, like this is an easy, high, you know, mid B for me. It was a solid time at the movies. Good. I got what I expected. Good. I'm glad to hear that. A lot of people have been high on Knock at the Cabin too, and and Batista's performance especially. And I I'm I, I don't think M Night Shyamalan is ever going to make a movie that I'm not going to want to see based on the marketing of it. Well, they they got us again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Last of Us. Can I just say something quick? The Last of Us might be the very best television episode I've seen in like a couple years. Episode three. That was a joy. Everybody loved that episode. I I I've not seen. So much praise for a single episode of television since I the Red Wedding, maybe I don't know. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. And I just, if you can tell an anecdotal story with that level of of brilliance and, and acting, I mean that was just that, again talk about something that flew by. And they they've actually they told a a, a, a sequence leading into episode two that I loved as well. So I, I'm digging the side quests of the last of us right now i'm really digging that and i hope that continues and i i mean i mean if you get these big name actors to keep playing all these side quest characters i'm i'm in uh otherwise poker face kind of tbd with the peacock ryan johnson show i was expecting a whodunit mystery an overall Mm. whodunit mystery and they show who committed the murder in the first season first scene of the first season oh interesting so that was not what i expected (laughs) I expected kind of to be guessing, so it's not the show I was thinking. It's kind of more uh, on the a detective on the run, and I guess she's going to be solving mysteries herself. But it's more of an exercise in suspense, where we as an audience know who's the culprit, and yet we're going to watch her in kind of a thriller mode get out of it. And she's she, Ent- yeah, entertaining watch at least. Yeah, Natasha Leone is great. I mean. Uh, Adrian Brody was the big bad in, in episode one, and and he was fun and crazy, and I think uh, I think we're gonna have a good, you know, good setup to an extent. But like, I don't know if um like Peacock's got all commercials. That's a major problem for me. Yeah, that's a pain. That's a pain. <sighs> like, I agree. I don't know if I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna watch episode two, but I don't know if I'm gonna stick with this one. They're gonna have to get me. Mike, <laughs> I like that you're so you're so turned off by the idea of commercials at this point. Anyway, you watch something, the Royal Rumble. People were talking about it quite a bit. What'd you think? It, it's so annoying that Logan Paul is as naturally gifted as he is at everything. Mike, that soft drink prime is delicious. 
<laughs> God damn it. Darn it. This guy don't miss. The free I got the uh the what was it? The three layer popsicle one, you know, the red, white, yeah. and blue. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, oh so bitch. good. You gotta go like go get it now. I've been looking for it. I can't find it anywhere. Where'd you where'd you where'd you find My it? My brother gave it to me. He gave me one. Uh. Uh, he just gave it. me one. I was, uh, you know, hanging out with him on this past Sunday. It was so good. He had the spot of the rumble. It's he was he was a surprise entrance, and I, it's been everywhere on social media. If you haven't seen it, just type in Logan Paul Ricochet. Hmm. The guys started on opposite ends of the rings. They springboard towards each other. They go like a thousand miles an hour directly into each other and crash. It was spectacular. But he is so good. I don't know how much one guy needs in this world, but he has all of it. <laughs> Um, but no, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. It's, it was kind of a letdown for some people because they thought that the rock, there was a heavy rumors that the rock was going to come back and start this whole feud with Roman Reigns because they're cousins in real life. And it was going to lead to this WrestleMania match. The rock has said on multiple occasions, he doesn't think he can get in shape in time to do mania this year. Uh, people thought that was a red herring. It turns out to, at least it seems like it's true. Mm-hmm. So there will be no rock at this year's mania. Um, he's getting up there anyway, you know, cutting into his fifties. So if he's going to do a mania match, he's got a a short timeline to I think pull that off. But the Royal Rumble overall was fun. I mean, it's Good. it's it's always fun to start off WrestleMania season, and it's even a bad Royal Rumble is like better than most wrestling shows. So. It, it, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I was not let down by it this year. So you think Vince McMahon being back in the saddle is a, is a good thing or a bad thing? Nope. <laughs> not a good thing. Okay. He's also not in the saddle yet. I mean, Triple H is still running okay. creative for it. And Vince, by all accounts, is you know sticking to his word by keeping his nose out of it. But Just arguing with his been, daughter. Been back in the office by most accounts and he's just kind of creeping his way back into it and nothing good is coming from this so at least the selling to the saudi reports that came out a couple weeks ago when we talked to scott yeager seemed to not be true good which is nice so we'll see how it goes from there well you also said you watched all the documentary shorts that were not nominated <laughs> right, at the oscars right. I did. Uh, yep, what'd I you did think that. of those each week go yeah, one they, by one yeah and the, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good review. Oh, the Academy. What are we going to do with you? Anyway, <laughs> that is your Oscar Race Checkpoint News Show uh, for these next few hours. We'll see how the next day or two goes, and you may get another one. But, uh, yeah, what matters most to us, as always, dear listeners, are your thoughts. Let us know your takes on anything we talked about here. What do you think about the new DCU? What do you think about the Academy's lack of authority on their own rules that may not be able to be enforced anyway, as well as the WGA and ACE Eddie noms. Uh, you, as always, can leave us those, as well as your thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com dot com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you listen to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, tell the good people what is coming next from us, and let's have some words of wisdom. Well, what's coming next is a long-awaited episode where we will preview the Guild Award shows, SAG. Again, we'll preview SAG again because we had Scott Yeager with a major pre- you know, SAG mania there. But we'll, we'll talk about SAG a little bit. We'll talk about the DGA and PGA with a 
with a guest that uh, I think will make the MMO Royal Rumble happen. Um, so, I mean, this is a battle for the soul of film Twitter. This is as important an argument over hats, right? And the wearing of, the, of them at award shows that we like, the likes of which we've never seen. <laughs> and I will hopefully shake the glibness from my voice by the time we start co- recording that episode. And it is wise to watch your tone when you have an mm-hmm. Oscars podcast. And I did not do that today. So I have no idea how it's going to play at all with our people. I think, uh, I think I went for some shtick and I'm just hoping it lands and I'm not sure. Question. I am always glib and I will remain <laughs> that way. Yeah. But one of us can be that way. Can the both of us be that way? <laughs> I took a risk. It was bad cop, bad cop today. Bad cop. I, I appreciated it. Yeah. Bad you were cop. Good. Crazy cop. What, what was the, the other guy's bad cop? Worst cop. <laughs> cop. Worst cop. Yeah. What's that from? <laughs> well, the other guys. Will Ferrell and Walter. Oh, the other guys. They went from bad that. cop to crazy cop. I don't remember. Well, it's good that we ended on a uh, really fun that. reference to a hilarious <laughs> scene that I don't remember. We don't, we don't have the proper words to get out of. That's that's apropos here. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.